Okay, we are in Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah chapter 8. Um, this morning we're starting at verse 13. Let's open with prayer. Father, we thank you so much for uh, your word, and we thank you for the, the passage we have this morning as the um, people of Nehemiah's time are investigating the word. They're having a special Bible study and they're learning new things and, and putting it into practice. And we just pray that'll be a good example for us as well. Pray you bless our time now as we uh, study your word, uh, give us insight, and help us to know how to put it into practice as well. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, we will read this morning. We'll have a section that's not just a bunch of names. So Nehemiah chapter 8, we're going to start at verse 8. Verse 8. Verse eight. They and read from the book, from the law of God, clearly, and they gave the sense so that people understood the reading. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and teacher of the law, the Levites, who were instructing the people, said to them, This day is, the holy, is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go, eat of the fat, drink of the sweet, and send portions to him who has nothing prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And the Levites quieted all the people, saying, Be still, since today is holy. Don't grieve. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared to them. Now on the second day, the heads of the fathers' houses of all the people, with the priests and the Levites, were gathered to Ezra, the scribe, in order to understand the words of the law. They found written in the law, which the Lord had commanded through Moses, that the Israelites were to live in temporary shelters during the festival of the seventh month. So they proclaimed and circulated a proclamation in all their cities and in Jerusalem, saying, Go out to the hills and bring olive branches and wild olive branches, myrtle branches, palm branches, and branches of other leafy trees to make booths, as it is written. So the people went out and brought them and made booths for themselves, each on his roof, and in their courts and in the courts of the house of God, and in the square at the water gate and in the square at the gate of Ephraim. The whole company that had returned from exile built temporary shelters and lived in them. From the days of Joshua, son of Nun, until the day until that day, the Israelites had not celebrated it like this, and they then their joy was overwhelmed. It was very great. He read from the book of the law of God daily, from the first day to the last day, and they celebrated the feast seven days, and on the eighth day there was a solemn assembly according to the ordinance. Okay. So last week we, in, in the first part of chapter 8, it was the first day of the seventh month. This was the Feast of Trumpets. It's basically their New Year's Day. And we saw that Ezra had read to the people from the law. And as they heard what the law actually said, they were convicted of their sin. And we saw that they, they were weeping. And um, when they heard the words of the law, but the first day of the week, or first day of the, their new year was supposed to be a day of celebration. So Ezra, Nehemiah, and the Levites went around to the people and said, No, 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 this is not a day for weeping. This is a day for celebration. 
go and eat, eat the eat the delicious foods, eat the you know drink the um, the drinks that we have to celebrate. Um, it's a day of celebration. Don't grieve. And so um, they convinced the people to go ahead and celebrate this day, and they did. They worshipped God instead of grieving. So today we're going to look at the second day of the seventh month, and that starts in verse 13. Then on the second day, the heads of fathers' households of all the people, the priests and the Levites, were gathered to Ezra, the scribe, that they might gain insight into the words of the law. And they found written in the law how the Lord had commanded through Moses that the sons of Israel should live in booths during the feast of the seventh month. So here we have the leaders gathering together to hear the law read. The previous day, remember, it included all the men, all the women, and all the children who were old enough to understand. So they had a larger group this first day. So this is the second day. Now we have just the leaders, the heads of the family, um, Ezra, along with the priests and the Levites. And that raised a question for me. Why were the priests and Levites there? They ought to know this already, right? So what I'm assuming is that they were there to help Ezra teach. We saw that on a... On the previous day, the Levites would uh, go amongst the people, translate the the Hebrew language into the Aramaic where necessary so people would understand, explain it to them. So um, I'm assuming the priests and Levites already know this and are helping to teach. Or at least that's what they ought to be doing. Uh, But... uh, this time they discover something new, it says. Um, looking at the end of verse 14, it says they found written in the law that the sons of Israel should live in booths during the feast of the seventh month. And that was, that apparently is what's new here. Um, this feast of the seventh month is, we've seen it before, it's the feast of booths, it's on the 15th day of the lunar month, which means it's under the full moon, um, and it's a seven-day feast. It's, it's very similar to the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is on the first month of their year, uh, the, of the religious calendar, where they celebrate for seven days. Uh, so this is kind of a bookend to that. We have a feast in the first month, we have a feast in the seventh month, exactly six months later. Now we have already looked at uh, Leviticus 23 where it talks about the feast, and we'll go back there again in a moment, but um, this feast is also mentioned in Numbers chapter 29. We don't, we're not going to turn there. Verses 12 through 40. So that's almost 30 verses. And the whole passage concentrates on what sacrifices are supposed to be made on what day it doesn't even mention booths so it's the feast of booths in this whole passage 30 verses does not mention booths but the sacrifices change from day to day it's kind of like our song the 12 days of christmas it's kind of like a countdown and so it it explicitly says on day one this is how many on day two this is how many on day three this is 
And so that's why it takes almost 30 verses to cover the seven days. Um, according to my Rari note, there was 189 prescribed animals to be sacrificed over those seven days. Now that's in addition to all the regular daily sacrifices and all the regular Sabbath day sacrifices and all the free will sacrifices. A yes, a lot of sacrifices. <laughs> so anyways, this feast begins on the 15th day of the seventh month. So here we are on the second day. So it's about two weeks away for them. And the people were to live in booths made out of branches. So I'll, let's, let's turn back to Leviticus 23. This chapter describes all the different festivals and feasts that the Jews were to celebrate. Leviticus 23, and would someone like to read verses 39 through 43? On the 15th day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the produce of the land, you shall celebrate the feast of the Lord seven days. And on the first day shall be a solemn rest, and on the eighth day shall be a solemn rest. And you shall take on the first day the fruit of splendid trees, branches of palm trees, and boughs of leafy trees, and willows of the brook. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. You shall celebrate it as a feast to the, to the Lord for seven days in the year. It is a statute forever throughout your generations. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. You shall dwell in the booths for seven days. All native Israelites shall dwell in booths. That your generations may know that I made the people of Israel dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord, your God. Okay, so, so this pretty well describes what the what the feast is. Uh, again, uh, I, I always thought this was interesting. On You shall feast for seventh days, and then on the eighth day, you would have a solemn assembly. Well, this is a, that same description is used of the Sabbath day. So it's, it's basically, basically a Sabbath day, the first day, and then the eighth day after the feast is, a, is the day of rest, a day of uh, worship. Um, but it tells us the purpose here, uh, verse 43, so that your generation may know that the sons of Israel lived in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. So it was a remembrance of this event. Um, but we also see in verse 39, it says, on exactly the 15th day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the crops of the land. So it was a harvest day celebration also, like our Thanksgiving. And that was about the time of year. It would be in October. You know, they've, they've taken in the, the grapes, um, the olives, you know, that kind of uh, produce. Um, you know, the, we mentioned the feast at the beginning of the year, the uh, uh, Feast of Unleavened Bread. One of the things they did in there was they waved a sheath of barley. Barley was the very first crop that would ripen. And so they would take the first fruits of the first crop and thank God for it at the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And now, six months later, they take the last of the final crop and they thank God for it on the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths. Um, 
Now you might hear this called, like I just said, the Feast of Tabernacles. I think that's the way that King James translates it. Uh, so they're saying each booth is a tabernacle? Tabernacle refers to a tent. And that's really not what, you know, they didn't live in tents, they lived in booths. So properly we should call it the Feast of Booths. So if this is a remembrance of the, um, you know, the wilderness wanderings, mm-hmm. did they live in tree branches that whole time? Or were they in more tents? Par- apparently, based on this festival, yeah, that's what they lived in. That's what they're remembering. Is we live. They haven't celebrated since Joshua had no parents. Yeah, <laughs> son of none, right? Well, Joshua, father, the son of none, so he had no parents apparently. Oh. But yeah. they haven't celebrated since him. Yeah. Okay, let's turn to Exodus. Because <laughs> yeah. I always picture them more in, you know, um, like some kind of tents. Yes. But you know, sometimes you picture things that are not correct. <laughs> Thinking of, the, thinking of the desert and how, I, think, I mean, they would have had to go into the woods to bring the materials out in the desert. Yeah. Yeah. Not a lot of trees in the desert, no. Not a lot of branches. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I, I've always thought of them living in tents, too. I think we, we learned that in Sunday school class with the yeah. paragraph figures. Yeah. 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 And the animals but, that they, the herds would have given them skins, yeah. you know. But. That's a good question, and after looking at this, I'm thinking... Maybe I should go back and reread the entire book of Exodus and Numbers and Leviticus and find out if it talks about tents. <laughs> so I never noticed that one before. I never paid that much attention to it. So um, Exodus chapter 34. Would someone like to read verses 22 and 23? That is, the first fruits of the wheat harvest and the feast of ingathering at the turn of the year. Three times a year, all your males are to appear before the Lord God, the God of Israel. Okay. So here, uh, it doesn't mention the uh, Feast of Unleavened Bread where they have the first fruits of barley. It mentions the Feast of Weeks, which is Pentecost. And that's when the wheat harvest is ripe. So you see the first fruits of the wheat harvest, and then the Feast of Ingathering. That's the Feast of Booths. That's the Feast of Booths, right. It's actually called, called the Feast of Ingathering here. Um, it's at the end of the year. It's a, it's a harvest celebration. So that was really, I think, what they, the Jews were emphasizing at this time. Um, Did they have harvest when they were going through the wilderness? No. no, no. So this is after. But this is after, yes. Yeah, um, but we also see here it's one of the three required festivals where the, the people are required to go to Jerusalem to celebrate. Um, now let's turn to Zechariah chapter fourteen. This is kind of an odd passage that I found while I was researching the Feast of Booths. <laughs> And it's a little bit of a side trail, but <laughs> Zechariah chapter 14. Someone like to read verses 16 through 19. Then everyone who survives of all of the nations that have come against Jerusalem shall go up year after year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the feast of booths. 
And if any of the families of the earth do not go up to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, there will be no rain on them. And if the family of Egypt does not go up and present themselves, then on them there shall be no rain. There shall be the plague with which the Lord afflicts the nations that do not go up to keep the Feast of Booths. 19? Yes, also. Okay. This shall be the punishment to Egypt and the punishment to all the nations that do not go up to keep the Feast of Booths. Okay, so the verse 16, those who are left of all the nations went against Israel. That's the uh, end of the tribulational period where the nations have um, Jerusalem surrounded um, and Christ returns to rescue them. So this is the millennial period. So during the millennium, God requires them to celebrate the Feast of Booths. And not just Israel, but all the nations are going to be required to celebrate the Feast of Booths here. Well, I have an so. interesting note in my reading. The Feast of Booths is the only feast still appropriate during the Messiah's reign. The Passover was fulfilled in Christ's death, the Day of Atonement. In acceptance of Christ's salvation, the Feast of First Fruits in his resurrection and Pentecost with the arrival of the Holy Spirit. But the Feast of Booths, a festival of thanksgiving, celebrates the harvest of those human souls for the Lord. Jesus may have alluded to it in John 4.35. Okay. I was actually kind of thinking that because when we read from Exodus, mm -hmm. it was the only one that I noted that says it goes on forever. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And... Oh. And we, our Thanksgiving should always go on forever. Yeah. And right. even when you look right. at worldwide culture, which is corrupt, <laughs> uh -huh. but almost everybody has a time of Thanksgiving, mm -hmm. you know, set aside right. to... Celebrate the harvest, yeah, basically, yeah. So I, I thought that was, that was interesting to see that. Yeah. I, I know there's... Uh, you, like from your Ryrie notes, you can look at the feasts of Israel and set up sort of a timeline for God's plan for the ages. And so this celebrating the Feast of Booths during the millennium fits into that. Mm -hmm. right. You know, and then, of course, remembering that wilderness wandering. There's something, there's also something that levels people, like if you go camping. camping. <laughs> because you're not, you know, you're not in each, you know, yeah, you're not in your home, yeah. right. and you're just, you're just there with the basic. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Sounds like what yep. you should do for participation in the office. I believe tongues are, I'd say tents, but I guess it'd have to be branches. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's make it tents. <laughs> <clears throat> branches are hard to pack in the back of the car. Tents, you can do that. Especially on the property, we could kind of well, <laughs> True. Okay, let's, let's look at Ezra chapter 3. So this is when the Jews first return to Jerusalem at the time of Cyrus. Ezra chapter 3, would someone like to read verses 3 and 4? They set the altar in its place, for fear was on them because of the peoples of the lands, and they offered burnt offerings on it to the Lord, burnt offerings morning and evening. And they kept the feast of booths, as it is written, and offered the daily burnt offerings by number according to the rule as each day required. Okay. 
189 offerings, just like Numbers 20 or the 30 verses in Numbers specify. That was not easy to do. So, and they had to be like, but, did they have to be perfect, the sacrifices? Yes. Oh, wow. They were required that. And those are the, yeah. like the symbolic offerings that go right. with this festival. Yes. And then you were saying all, all the, the regular, regular offerings, yes. daily yeah. ones. But this is when, when the Jews first get back, they, they set up the altar. They haven't started the f- building the temple yet. But they get the altar up first and they celebrate the Feast of Booths. So they had been celebrating the Feast of Booths. So if we go back now to this uh, chapter, you know, it says um, in verse 14, chapter 8 of Nehemiah, verse 14, you know, they found that, you know, written at the Lord said they should live in booths during the feast. So I don't think it was that they forgot there was supposed to be a feast. It's that they forgot they were supposed to live in booths during this feast. I think that was the, that was the issue. That's what was the new thing that they found here. Um, so we've, so you know, they've celebrated the feast of trumpets on day one of the seventh month. Now they're going to celebrate. Uh, the Feast of Booths on day 15. What about day 10? Day 10 is the Day of Atonement. Yom, Yom Kippur. It's not even mentioned here. You know, why is that? It's probably because they were already doing it. The priests were taking care of it. And this is the heads of the households there was nothing for the people to do. This was something uh, totally done by the priests. You know, and they all, you know, it wasn't a new thing that popped up and, oh, we didn't see this in the law before. So even though it was, you know, sometimes it's called the, the high day, the most important day of Israel's calendar, and it's ignored here. Well, it's because they were already doing it, and, and the, it wasn't something that the heads of the families needed to uh, change in the way they... Uh, behaved. Okay, so let's go on to verses 15 and 16. So they proclaimed and circulated a proclamation in all their cities and in Jerusalem, saying, Go out to the hills and bring olive branches and wild olive branches, myrtle branches, palm branches, and branches of other leafy trees to make booths, as it is written. So the people went out and brought them and made booths for themselves, each on his roof and in their courts and in the courts of the house of God and in the square at the water gate and in the square of the gate of Ephraim. So they, the leaders say, we need to do this. We need to do this right. And we've, we've seen already when they've read the law and the people have really responded to the law. You know, the first time they responded with weeping at the, when they realized their sinfulness. Um, so they're trying to do it right. And it's the leaders of the people here. Not, it's not just the political leaders. Or excuse me, the religious leaders, but it's the heads of the families uh, are showing leadership here. So they send out this proclamation. It goes to Jerusalem and to all the other cities of Judea. They wanted everyone to participate, everyone to build booths. And they tell them, go out and collect tree branches. And this is a pretty long list of different types of trees plus that general one of uh, branches of other leafy trees or branches of shade trees which is you know everything else 
you know, go out and get branches. Um, whatever branches you can find probably are okay. It doesn't exclude anything here. They just need a lot of branches. And so everybody's coming to Jerusalem with their branches. And you get the impression that the city was filled with booths. So you have the people who live in Jerusalem. They got booths on their roofs and in their courtyards. The temple grounds were full of booths. The squares inside the gates were full of booths. You know, the whole city was just filled up with all these booths because you had the entire population of Judea at this time camping out in the city. In the, you know, so there was a lot, of, a lot going on there. Um, remember right, the, uh, when Ezra read the law, the people all gathered in the, in the courtyard in front of the water gate. So that's full of booths now. And then another gate has a uh, courtyard in front of it, and it's full of booths. So everybody's there. And we see that in the next verse, uh, verse 17. It says, The entire assembly of those who had returned from captivity made booths and lived in them. The sons of Israel had indeed not done so from the days of Joshua, the son of Nun, to that day, and there was great rejoicing. So everybody showed up. Um, between, between the time that they used to do it and the time that they started it up again, do we know? I think what they were doing is that they had celebrated it Just as... Not the right, they had celebrated it as a Thanksgiving ceremony or festival every year. Okay, so they just weren't doing it right. Okay. Right, they just weren't including the booths. Um, and... Basically, what it says is it had not happened since the days of Joshua. So, how many so, years was that? I guess that's what I was wondering. About a thousand years. No? Oh, okay. I always think of the Exodus as being in 1440. And this is now 440, about. <laughs> so, that's pretty close to exactly a thousand years. Yeah. Um, and. And during so the time, the promised land, they quit doing it then, or what? I mean, during the days of Joshua, had they were they in their cities yet? No, they were still getting ready to enter the. They were still living in the booths that they had. From the ex, yeah, basically they were. This was still the Exodus. Because really, when they went into the land, they took over the, a lot of the established cities that people were at. Right. They they lived in their homes. Right. The wells were dug, the vineyards were all planted. That's what God said. I'm giving you this land, and it's, the infrastructure is all ready. Mm-hmm. You just move on in and, and live in it. And I have a feeling maybe everybody said, yeah. I've been living in a booth I know. I was <laughs> for the last 40 years, and I'm not going <laughs> to do it for one more day. <laughs> I'm going to live in a house. <laughs> and so the living in booths ended uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so everybody shows up, you know, it talks about <clears throat> everybody who had returned from captivity. Well, just in the previous chapter, you know, we had a copy of Ezra chapter 2 that listed all the families that returned. So now we've got all their descendants showing up. Um, and in the previous chapter, they had been working on a list of people. So, you know, it's like they had a mailing list. 
and they made sure everybody got an invite to come and build a booth and live in it in Jerusalem. And it says they all showed up. Uh, the entire assembly came. The branch merger was behind them. <laughs> yeah. And again, you know, this is, you know, why, you know, this hadn't happened since the days of Joshua, you know. And so this was different, you know. Again, why was it so different? They had not been living in booths. They'd been celebrating Thanksgiving, but not living in the booths. Let's go to uh, Second Chronicles chapter 7. This is when Solomon dedicated his temple... Second Chronicles chapter 7. So Solomon has finished his temple and he's going to dedicate it. They're going to have a big celebration and they time the celebration to correspond to the Feast of Booths. So in Second Chronicles chapter 7, would someone like to read verses 8 through 10 for us? So Solomon observed the festival at that time for seven days, and all Israel with him. A vast assembly, people from Lebo, Hamath, and the Wabi of Egypt, to the Wabi of Egypt. On the eighth day, they held an assembly, for they had celebrated the dedication of the altar for seven days, and the festival for seven days more. On the twenty-third day of the seventh month, he sent the people to their homes, joyful and glad at heart for the great good things the Lord had done for, King, for David and Solomon for his people. Okay. And so, I have to their tents. To their tents, right. Their the eighth day is the 22nd of the month. So the 23rd of the month is the day after the celebration ends. The whole Feast of Booze plus the Day of Assembly, the Solemn Day of Assembly, had ended. And then it says he sends them to their homes or to their tents. So the, the word for tent really refers here to a home, not to a booth. Does this mention booths? No. So we have no mention of a booth here, even though they had this big celebration. Um, let's turn over a page to chapter 8. Second Chronicles chapter 8. Would someone like to read verses 12 and 13 for us here? Then Solomon offered burnt offerings to the Lord on the altar of the Lord, which he had built before the porch, and did so according to the daily rule, offering them up according to the commandments of Moses for the Sabbaths, the new moons, and the three annual feasts, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Weeks, and the Feast of Booths. Okay, so here we see that it was, this feast was celebrated on a regular basis during the time of Solomon and probably many times after that. Um, but they did not live in booths. You'd, you'd start to wonder, you know, why is it called the Feast of Booths if we don't live in booths? <laughs> so maybe they just mentioned that, oh yes, this is to commemorate the fact that we lived in booths, but we're not actually doing it. Right. So, so, you know, what made this one special during the time of Ezra and Nehemiah was they actually lived in a booth. Um, and again, the people probably um, celebrated it as a Thanksgiving feast, but not to commemorate the <coughs> Exodus. Um, the other thing that uh, 
made it special is they had full participation. You know, it may not have happened before. Uh, maybe there was just a limited group would show up to celebrate. And then finally, uh, at the end of verse 17, it says, and there was great rejoicing. It may have been that this was a lot more um, exceptional joy and rejoicing than they normally had at this feast. And you can kind of see what was going on here. This was like a great big camping out party. and, And it was safe. They now had a wall around their city. They didn't have to worry about lions and tigers and bears and the, all their neighbors, you know, the, their enemies. They had a, just a big celebration. And everybody was living in tents, you know, was, or tents, booths. I have to correct myself. Uh, you know, I could see the kids love this. So it was a, it was a tremendous celebration. Um, one of the things you can see here, though, is a little bit of a, uh, a bit of Ezra's character trait. You know, he says, you know, they've not done anything like this since the days of Joshua. He had a little bit of a penchant for saying, okay, th- taking a current event and comparing it to some big event in the past. And since he also wrote First and Second Chronicles, let's go back to Second Chronicles and we'll see a couple more examples of this. Second Chronicles chapter 30. This is during Hezekiah's revival. <clears throat> Second Chronicles 30. Someone like to read verses 25 and 26. The whole assembly of Judah and the priests and the Levites and the whole assembly that came out of Israel and the sojourners who came out, uh, out of the land of Israel and the sojourners who lived in Judah rejoiced. I forgot. Yes. Okay. So there was great joy in Jerusalem. For since the time of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, there had been nothing like this in Jerusalem. Okay. This was um, celebrating the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Nothing like this since the time of Solomon. You know, so we, you know, we're looking at nothing like this since the time of Joshua. Let's go to chapter 35 in Second Chronicles. This is during Josiah's revival. So I'd like to read verses 17 and 18 here. Thus the sons of Israel who were present celebrated the Passover at that time and the Feast of Unleavened Bread seven days. There had not been celebrated a Passover like it in Israel since the days of Samuel the prophet nor had any of the kings of Israel celebrated such a Passover as Josiah did with the priests, the Levites, all Judah and Israel who were present, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Okay, so here's another comparison. Josiah had a tremendous Passover feast celebration. Nothing like it since the days of Solomon. So this was kind of a, a little bit of a quirk of Ezra to include things like this. And it, and it helps us to, you know, See that, you know, he's a human being. This is the kind of thing that he likes to see. Wow, this is as big as at this event in the past. And it also ties the books together. You know, the same guy that wrote the book of Nehemiah wrote Second Chronicles because he has these same types of um, examples. Okay, going on to verse 18 and the end of the chapters. Um, 
says, And he read from the book of the law of God daily from the first day to the last day. And they celebrated the fast seven days. And on the eighth day, there was a solemn assembly according to the ordinance. So again, they are trying to do it exactly like it's described in the law. Let's go back to Deuteronomy chapter 31. And we've looked at this verse before. Deuteronomy 31, something like to read verses 10 through 13. And Moses commanded them, at the end of every seven years, at the set time in the year of release, at the Feast of Booths, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God at the place that he will choose, you shall read this law before all Israel in their hearing. Assemble the people, men, women, and little ones, and the sojourner within your towns, that they may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God, and be careful to do all the words of this law, and that your children who have not known it may hear it, and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land that you are going over the Jordan to possess. Okay. So this tells us every seven years you know you have the remission of debts. We had that back in chapter five. You know, so they did that. It wasn't during the Feast of Booths, but they had already done that. But now, um, what's he supposed to do? He's supposed to read the law and teach it. And we see that he does that. Uh, Ezra reads from the law of God daily, from the first day to the last day. That's the teaching that was commanded in, in, in the passage we just read. Um, and so, again, they, they, they do everything according to the law. They, do, they fulfill all the requirements. And, it, and as Ezra says, this hasn't happened since the days of Joshua. They finally did it right <laughs> after a thousand years went by. Um, so next time we'll start chapter 9, and we're going to have a major mood change here. But uh, we got through 8. Um, Robert, would you? Oh, it's good. Oh, I was just going to say, so the, the takeaway, you know, all of Scripture, because they, they were just looking at part and were missing this and not practicing. Mm-hmm. So a takeaway that really compares Scripture to Scripture is probably one takeaway. Right. And right. Um, maybe hands-on learning, hands-on yep. remembering. Yep. And um, maybe kind of the... Sort of the retreat yeah. or the doing together. You know, I'm just I'm, yeah. I'm thinking of what application. Yeah, and don't just don't just read your favorite passages. Read the yeah. whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Read the whole thing. So, okay. Robert, you like to close? <clears throat> Our Father God, we are indeed grateful for your work. Grateful that we can see your work throughout the generations, Lord and Father. Now we are decided. I pray that as we've learned and talked about your work in the past, specifically looking at this Feast of Booths, Lord, Father, I pray you would incline our hearts towards you. Help us to dwell on you more and appreciate the work that you've done. Father, we we thank you now for this time together and the time that is to come. ask that you prepare our hearts, that you may be worshipped and glorified and pleased by our time together to come. So we thank you for this time, committing it all to you in your holy and precious name we pray.
Yeah.